If you're 12 and younger, you may head back to Camp Point Way as they've prepared a message back there for you. Hey, I received in the mail this week some candy, so Jeb, you need that. You got coffee breath. Jesse, you always need it. PJ, I might need a kiss later on, so we'll see how that goes. I know. I I have a feeling I'm probably not going to get that kiss now. (laughs) Man, I missed you guys. You know, thanks. It was uh, good to be away. We flew into Boston Harbor, and we had to wait for the car, and uh, it was not easy. I did get some lobster, but it was, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I won't go that far, but it's what it sounds like back there. Uh, Ernie survived, survived the trip with us, and so it was good. He learned that lobster is pretty good eating, and so, yeah, he's still shaking his head, and he, he did well there, so, but it's good to be back and still I miss you. Thank you for welcoming Vaughn. Uh, Vaughn had to fill in. Uh, Dave Griever is still sick and still struggling, so keep him in prayer as he was supposed to preach, and so Vaughn filled in last minute last week, so appreciate that. Um, we're going to do, this morning we're going to look at the book of John. Um, I was going to tell you a little bit about Joe and Nancy, but PJ told you a good portion of it. Thanks, hon. No, but there's, there's still more to tell. Uh, there's the rest of the story. Um, just to fill in the, the end of that, we said no the second time when we came back in August, and then they were leaving for one of their trips uh, around October. They called us and said, hey, we're leaving. We still don't have a pastor, and I said, well, have a good trip on the church. We're still not interested, and then God was still working on us, still working on the church, and by the new year, um, God changed both our hearts and the churches, and so we came out and candidated. And so, um, like we did here, I, we came out and I preached, and um, I was a little nervous, I'll just be honest, I hadn't preached in a while, and so I preached a message, and then, you know, people were friendly, we had a potluck dinner, and everything was going fairly well, but, you know, we didn't know, and so we go back to the B&B, and Joe and Nancy are there, and <clears throat> I walk through the door, and Nancy goes, Charlie, what was that? That's one of the worst sermons I've ever heard. If you don't know Nancy, to wonder what Nancy, and, and I love that about, she's always been that way. Um, she's great that way. I don't have to, to wonder what Nancy's thinking because she tells me. And, and so as being her pastor, it was, it was easy that way. But she says, that was terrible. People didn't get to see your heart. It was cold. It was stiff. It was just, said, and, and PJ and I said, okay, well, hey, if nothing else, we got to meet a bunch of great people. We'll go back to New Hampshire and, and uh, we'll just, you know, lick our wounds, and uh, see what God has for us next. And uh, it took a little while, and then the church actually called us back for a second time, and then God intervened and, uh, through that process. It took a little while longer. We didn't actually end up moving out there till June. So it was a process, and we were still working. Huh? July 2nd. All right. See, PJ's the detailed person. All right. July. <laughs> First week in July. That's right, because we moved in, and we had a huge picnic in our yard uh, the very first Sunday uh, that we were there that weekend, because it was July 4th, yes. So anyways, God moved us along the way, and, but Joe and Nancy were that persistent, continually after us. Um, they knew something we didn't know, because like I said, we weren't even considered at that point and not looking to be a senior pastor. I always thought of a support role, something else. So, um, but anyways, that's part of our story, and uh, now you get to fill in the blanks. You can talk to them. Um, you can ask Nancy today afterwards whether I've improved in my preaching or not. And uh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. 
Well, when you start out at the bottom, you can only go up, right? I mean, you can't really go much further, further below. So, uh, But anyways, back to the Scripture. The real reason we're here this morning, uh, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to look at this passage um, that John wrote. Um, it's going to be a heavy dose of Jesus' teaching. Jesus is speaking here to his disciples. Time is getting short. They've been three years wandering around, ministering together, and now Jesus is getting ready to be, you know, Palm Sunday, crucifixion, and all that is coming up, and he knows he's leaving them, and so he's trying to prepare them, and so that's the backdrop to this. John's an interesting gospel. Uh, it's, it's one of the gospels. It's not like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? It's totally different in many ways. Different emphasis, different set of believers that they're speaking to. Um, John stands alone, right? Quite often as new believers, right, we encourage someone to, to read the book of John, right? It flows easy. It has a lot of great stories, but it talks all about Jesus, and that's why I love the book. Um, John's also was the one that Jesus, you know, he says, I'm the one that, that's loved, right? There's love in there and theme. But actually, hidden in the book of John, here's a little trivia question. This is spoken more than morning. What other word do you think exemplifies in John? What other word is spoken more than any other of the scriptures? I haven't changed. I don't ask rhetorical questions. Want to pick a word? Any One word. Huh? Love? Nope, that's not it. Hope? That's not a bad one, but that's not in there either. Peace? Oh, you guys are going to learn something, huh? Truly? No. No, not faith even. Now, you guys are guessing. You're going to be here for a while. No, I'm, all right, I'll, I'll take you off the hook. Believe. Believe. Simple word, believe. It's 98 times in the book of John. So, you know, when we say believe in Jesus, we can, we can say that. I know people get hung up, but they say trust in Jesus or be born again. All good terms, and that all means salvation, but belief is a cornerstone. And, and John writes about that. Jesus speaks the same thing about believing in me. And so that's kind of the key word for this. Um, the purpose of John was to show Jesus and put Jesus at the forefront. But there's also this transition time going on. Like I said, he's been ministering with his disciples. He's been going around claiming the Messiah, and now he's about ready to leave. And he's going to leave these 11 in a tough spot. And so it does have a lot of hope in it. Whoever guessed hope, that wasn't a bad one, but again, there's a lot of hope in it. And so let's go dive into the scriptures. Now that I've given you all that background and my trivia question, let's get into the scripture itself. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. All right, so Jesus is having this conversation with his, his disciples. Very familiar passage. Um, in fact, one of the commentators that I was reading in this week was said, yeah, this is quite often used in funerals. Guilty. I use it quite often in funerals as well, and you'll see why in a few minutes. But it, it gives hope to the future. And so it's, it's a great passage to be read at, at funerals, but do not let your hearts be troubled, right? The heart is, there's grief. It's going to come. There's going to be hard times. 
And Joe mentioned some of that with, with his missions, I mean, his prayer focus this morning as well, right? But trust, trust in God. And you see the interchange, right? The interchange between God and Jesus. And he's interchanging himself in that role. He's the Messiah. Again, three in one. There's two of them right there off, right off the bat. So you'll see where we get that from. But he tells them, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you, right? There's a future place. This world is not all there, there is. We say that often, right? We keep one eye towards heaven and we keep one eye on what we're doing here. But there's something better ahead. And that helps quite often, right? That hope, that encouragement, that we have something in the future, something ahead of us. And go, he says, I'm going to prepare a place. Now, is the place already prepared? Yeah, it's already prepared. It's already set, right? He has a place for us. And um, translations get a little funky here with the many rooms, right? I don't know that we're going to be separated by rooms, right? There's a lot of indication that we're not going to be refined. But it just means it's a place for, for you. An individual has space there, right? It's more of the family setting. We're all coming together, and we're going to be under one roof, kind of like we are here this morning, right? We're together. So that's a picture that Jesus is giving for us. And he says, hey, you're going to be there with me. I want to take you with me, right? So there's going to be a little bit of time. We're not going to be together. We're going to go through some, some tough stuff, but eventually we're going to come back together. And so Jesus is emphasizing that. And that place, heaven. All right, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, that's why I like that passage. I use the end right there because, again, it tells the gospel. It leads to the gospel. It gives you that hope. Now, I personally think Thomas gets a bad rap here. I like Thomas in many ways. He asks the question that everyone's thinking. He's just bold enough to, to blurt it out, right? We say Peter's bold in his, but Thomas has that question. You know what? I know a lot of you, there's a lot of questions come, right? And I always say I usually have more questions than I have answers, right? So it's not a bad question. Thomas says, hey, I, we don't know, right? How many here have seen heaven? No, we, we, we get a shadow picture in Revelation, but we don't know what it looks like. We, we really don't know, and they wouldn't have thought that either. Again, Revelation hasn't even been written yet. John hasn't wrote, even wrote that part yet, but it's not been revealed to us. And so it's a good question, right? And if you don't know, ask. I know this goes contrary to men, right? We, we, us men don't tend to ask directions, right? Right? That's why we have our wives. They remind us to go and ask. Right? No, it's Side joke, I'm going to be in trouble now when I get out again, right? But Thomas is asking, we don't know. And so it's a good question. And then Jesus answers him, hey, this is the way to get to heaven, right? Through Jesus Christ. Despite what the world says, there is only one way. All roads don't lead to heaven. They're not all the same. It only goes through Jesus Christ. I can stand firm on that one. That one, I know. All right? I got that one down. Right? But no one. Right? It only goes through Jesus Christ. And so that, that firms that up. It, it solidifies 
that it's the only way to get to Jesus, I mean, to the Father is through Jesus. And again, what's upcoming with the cross. Verse 7. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that, we, that will be enough for us. Jesus had to be frustrated at this point. Remember what I said, Jesus just spent three years with these guys, 24-7, day in, day out. They've seen all the miracles, they've seen all the healings, they've seen everything that Jesus has done. Walked on water, all that stuff, and yet they're still not sure. Remember, in their minds, this is a, a teacher, this is a prophet, this is someone who's done great things, but they haven't transferred yet. He's not their Messiah yet. So there had to be some frustration in that. And Jesus is revealing himself to them especially. And again, he's done this before. This is not the first time he's said this, but he's, he's recapping again for them. Hey, if you know me, you know the Father. You're getting a glimpse of God. That's that three in one, right? It, they're interchanging at this point. It's a foundational thing that we need to kind of grasp our minds on. We, we tend to separate them and we don't bring them all back together. And so that's important as well. And so, you know, his question is, hey, show us the Father. If we see him, then we're going to believe. He said, you've already had enough. You already have enough proof. Jesus answered, verse 9, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has also seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father? And that to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Again, we see the interchange back and forth between the, the connection between Jesus and the Father. That's important. Verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Remember those Jewish believers always wanted to see a miracle. That was the, 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 the tell that said, oh yeah, this is true. This was authenticated because of the miracles. So John here writes that in to help those Jewish believers. Right? If nothing else, you have proof. You should have had enough proof, but here's even more proof. That's kind of what he's saying here. Verse 12, again, this is Jesus all speaking back here to Philip and the rest of the disciples as well. And he says, I do the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Another section of Scripture has been taken out of proportion here and taken out of context, but uh, the importance of this is, right, asking God and God aligning us up with His will, right? It's not me changing God's will, because that's God's will set, but it's me changing my will. York told you about saying no to, 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 to Joe and Nancy about going to, to New York, Right? God's will was for us to go there. Well, I know that to be true, but my will wasn't lined up yet. It took some time. It took some more wrestling. 
Timing is part of that quite often. But it's at aligning ourselves. But we have to be careful that we don't take this out of proportion and say, well, hey, whatever I want, just, hey, God, just, just, just give it to me, all right? I want $1,000. God, give me $1,000. Uh, it's a prosperity gospel. That's not what these scriptures are saying, right? It, be, it can be very dangerous. But again, Jesus is saying, hey, you'll do the same things that I did. What were the things that Jesus did? Compassion for people, right? Investing, making disciples, teaching, sacrificing. There's a lot. I mean, I can't encapsulate all that here this morning by any means. But those are the things that Jesus did, and those are the same things that we are to do as his followers. So it's a key. It's a key to that. And again, if you want to see how some of those things unfolded, here's an assignment for you. Read the book of Acts, right? We see all the miracles that they performed, right? Only in time when they needed it, and only the ones that God allowed that were, were needed for those folks that were witnessing that. And so they were able to do greater things. You know, we even look at the numbers of people that Jesus reached while he was ministry was here on earth. <coughs> Many more were reached. 3,000 right at the day of Pentecost alone, right? Were reached, spread way beyond Jesus' earthly ministry. So those would be greater things. The fact that we're still 2,000 years later, still here, the church, is part of that proof of greater things. It's a lot more. I could do a whole message on that, but I want to get to number three, because number three is the, the next key, right? We've talked a lot about God the Father. We've talked a lot about Jesus. There's one more to make that three complete, and so the next couple of verses are going to kind of bring that out as we work through this uh, this morning. Again, I'm kind of blowing through this quickly, but uh, take some time this week and restudy it if you get a chance. Verse 13, if you love me, you will obey what I have commanded. It's kind of a key verse, kind of sets this up for the next section. If you love me, again, this is Jesus speaking, you will obey what I have commanded. Now, did Jesus throw away the law? No. He completed it. PJ's, see, she has, she's not on that mint yet, so she's got it right down. No. no, absolutely, right? There's a connection, right? If I love Jesus, then I need to obey his commands. So we spend so much time on, on working on what do we do now as a believer, right? We talk about that process, sanctification, working through that. Again, not self-help, but God help. But that's hard, right? Can we be honest? Is that hard? Or, uh, maybe I'm the only one that struggles with that. You guys are, no, we all do, right? It's not easy. It's not easy being good, right? We all work through that. But if you love God, then we have to obey his command. If we, it's, a, it's a dual action there. So, if we can be honest, we, we need help. So, where's our help going to come from? Right? We can't do it on our own, our own strength. We may be for a little bit, but we can't really do it on our own. We need help. And so this next verse, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Right? So Jesus is going to go and ask the Father, and he's going to give us a counselor. Right? Counselor is just one of the translations. Remember, Greek translates into English, and there's a, a range of words. 
I went to a whole, I sat through a whole session, two men arguing the fact that one said counselor, one said comforter. You know, the different translations use the, the different word. It was, it was hard to watch, hard to listen to, hard to sit there, right? I, I can be comfortable with either one, right? Good counsel is comforting, and comfort needs counsel. And so to interchange those words is not it. But the counselor here is someone, it's not a group therapy session, a counselor. It's a counselor that's already set. They have the advice. You're just getting the advice. And it's more about you obeying them and just falling in line with what they're saying. It's more of like a legal counsel. It's kind of more the context of the Greek uh, when I was studying that out. But counselor, right? Holy Spirit, something to help us to obey those commands. We need that. We need that help. I need all the help I can get. Uh, we all need that help, right? Something that says, hey, this is wrong. Oh, this is right. Do you ever get to that spot in the road where you got a decision to make? And it's not necessarily right and wrong. It's just two good ones. And, you know, have you ever done the, the paper and the, the pluses and the minuses and you get to the end and they're, they're both pluses or they're both, and you're like, all right, now what do I do? All right? Yeah. That's when we need a good counselor. We need someone that's going to say, hey, what, this is the best, the best out of the two. Uh, can't stand in the middle of the road, right? That's why squirrels die. They get in the middle of the road and they can't make up their mind and we run them over. That's it's, it's so true. Uh, not that squirrels get Holy Spirit. That's another, yeah, no, I'm not going there. That's... Some of you guys, I know some of you are thinking that, well, they just had the Holy Spirit. No, they just need to make the decision. So God the Father is going to send us a counselor, the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. It's going to tell us what's true. It's going to tell us right from wrong, but it's also going to tell us what's real truth. You can't go anywhere. Think about that today. Isn't that our search today to find out what's true? We can't go anywhere. All false, you know, fake news, false news, politicized. It's everywhere. Believe me, it's on the East Coast too. It's not just here. Uh, it's 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 totally across the the, the nation. Um, it's and it's in our world. But what is truth? Now we're blessed. We have truth. We have our Bibles. We have the Holy Spirit in us as believers. We can have truth, and we can discern truth. But that takes some work. It takes listening and obeying. And that's part of what Christ is saying here as he's speaking those words. But he also says, all right, so you as believers are going to get this. I want to give you the spirit of truth. But the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Key verse, right? God gives us this gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's not only going to just be around us or with us like a partner, it's actually going to be with inside of us, right? We just have to listen to it. It's a, it's a, it's a huge gift. That, talk about greater things. That's a great thing to have when you have the Holy Spirit because it will not only tell you what's right or wrong, it'll tell you when to go, when to stay, who to go talk to. It lines things up perfectly. We just have to listen and obey. In fact, many have said that out of the three, that's probably the one that we neglect the most is the Holy Spirit. 
and listening to it. Yet, it's a gift. It's a free gift that we get as part of salvation. So it's vitally important to our walk. It's vitally important for us in order to love. It's vitally important for us to obey those commands, is to listen to the Holy Spirit. But the world doesn't have that. One of the things you know, I say it often, right? Every time we expect the world to act like a believer, we're disappointed every time, right? Such a true statement. Jesus said the same thing. They, they can't. It's not, they're not, it's not possible for them. It's not within them. It's really sad that when us as believers don't act like believers. That's disobedience. But he lives within you, inside. Pick it up again here with the next verse in 18. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, right? So that connection, right? Again, he's going to be leaving them. He's going to be leaving them in disarray. And he's saying, hey, I want to come back. Now, this most likely he's talking about his ascension, I mean, before his ascension, that time in between, but it could also be talking about the second coming as well, the rapture of the church. Either one fits. He's coming back again. We have that same hope, right? He's not going to leave you. But he doesn't even leave us alone in that interim. Again, the Holy Spirit is going to be there guiding, counseling, helping, comforting us in those times of need. Verse 19. He says, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Is Jesus alive today? Yeah, good job. Man. Someone said, no, we we're going to have to have a long talk. 20. On, sometimes we, we, sometimes we, we forget that. We, we need that reminder. Verse 20. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. See the connection? See the intertwining of the, of the three? How critical that is for our lives, and how important that concept of is of not separating so much, but bringing them together, the three working together in our lives. And then 21 kind of pulls it all together and wraps it up here in a Pretty nice little bow. Uh, it says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Right? Reiterate that, obeying those commands, right? That's, that's that sign of love. You've heard me say it over and over again, right? Love is an action word, Right? It's not a noun, it's an action word. I think that's verb, right? It's not a, yeah. Don't quote me on that. No, but it's an action word. Right? It, it has to be proven, it has to be shown, and it's not a one and done, it's a continuation. And so the way we do that, the way we show our love for God is by obeying loves me, his commands. But with that, he says, he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Right? Jesus is interceding for us. He's that connector. He's the way, right? He's the one that makes that even possible. It all goes through that focal point, but then we have access to God. And then he says, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Right? So through that connection, through that, that narrow love, that love gets poured back. 
us and he left. Here's a question for you. If we don't obey his commands, does God love us and he left? No. Right? It's not dependent on God's, God's got his side covered. It's our side. Right? We're the one that hinders that relationship. We're the one that makes that tough. Or we feel disconnected. Right? So, so it's always good if we feel disconnected to say, hey, all right, what's, maybe something's going on in my life that's either I'm not following his commands or I need to spend more time with him. I need to check in my spirit what's going on. That relationship. That's how we get that, that relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's just not a historical fact. It's a relationship that we long. And that love relationship back and forth. So it's a beautiful passage. And again, it's short. It's 21 verses. The whole book of John speaks to this. And he references it. And he brings in some of the stories as well. And so if you haven't read John in a while, I know sometimes as older believers we forget that. And we read it once and we're done. And oh, we'll go on to something else. Or maybe we want something we think more meaty. There's a lot of meat in John, a lot of good things. So, as I like to do, i got some questions for you, right? I told you, I always have more questions than answers. So, three in one, what is your relationship to these? What is your, rela- what is your relationship to God, to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? What is your relationship to these? Next question. Do you see God? Do you see God? Do you love Jesus? Do you know and feel the Holy Spirit? Feels a word I'm not quite sure, but do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you really know the Holy Spirit? Right? Now, if you answer no to any of these questions, please come see me. I want to talk to you a little bit more. Right? But it's important that we can talk about this, but that we can know his love for us. Bow with me, please. Oh, Heavenly Father, you've been so good to us. You've been so gracious to us, Lord, that you have not left us alone, that you've not stranded us and left us as orphans, but that you and the Father and the Spirit are with us, inside of us, helping us each step of the way. Lord, may we rely more upon you each and every day. May we grow in that relationship. May we continue to obey the things that you've told us to do. And Lord, let us not lose sight of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ of a future beyond what we see. Hope of, hope of eternal life in heaven with you. Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your blessings. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.